She's a writer, she's a cook, she's studying to be a midwife and she's my oldest friend. She's wonderful at knowing exactly what everybody is thinking and feeling at any given moment. She told a story at the second Backyard Stories show in our Carlton backyard in 2019, so I'm so excited to have her tell another story tonight. Please make her feel welcome. Thanks, Claudie. Um, this story begins 6,000 years ago, but it also begins 11 years ago, when I had decided to become Indiana Jones. I had just started uni, and I was majoring in archaeology and ancient world history. In first semester, our lecturer, who was head of the department, told us about an opportunity to join the Australian contingent of an ongoing archaeological excavation happening in Israel. Each season, teams of students and professional archaeologists would travel from all over the world to live and work together on this dig. There were teams from Australia, Canada, Brazil, the US, Germany, Israel. We would be fed and housed, and we would dig from Monday to Friday with weekends free to spend exploring nearby cities. Needless to say, I signed up immediately. I was terrified to travel alone for the first time to a part of the world I knew nothing about. Ancient Mesopotamia I was starting to understand, but the modern Middle East was a mystery. I arrived in Jerusalem and spent the first weekend before the dig began crying in my room and venturing out into the streets for short half-hour bursts to find food and water, returning full of noise and dust and falafel to soothe my nervous system in my dark, cool sanctuary. By some miracle on Monday morning, I managed to find the right bus and before long we were hurtling out of the city and into the countryside. Each year, the entire crowd of volunteers and staff stayed on a nearby kibbutz, which was only a short bus ride from the dig site. The dig site itself was something called a tell, T-E-L-L. -L. I'll give you a definition I got from the internet. <clears throat> a tell is an artificial topographical feature, a species of mound consisting of the accumulated and stratified debris of a succession of consecutive settlements at the same site the refuse of generations of people who built and inhabited them and of natural sediment. It's basically a big hill. <laughs> um, now in ancient Mesopotamia, there were these two rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, um, which would flood very unpredictably each year. They would cause crops to fail, livestock to drown, and sometimes the floods were bad enough to level out entire settlements. So when this happened, people would simply pack down their mud brick houses and build their new settlement on top. So our dig site, um, over hundreds and thousands of years, it just built up and up and up, hence a big hill. Um, the dig site was comprised of many layers, each reflecting a different time period, and each team was digging at a different layer. So the Brazilians might have been digging at 2000 BCE, um, while the Australians were digging at 4000 BCE. I remember so much from those weeks on the tell, but mostly I remember the noise. I remember the sounds of different accents and languages drifting over the morning breeze. The Brazilians singing in beautiful chorus. The Israelis yelling to one another to hurry, hurry, hurry. Yalla, yalla, yalla. The Aussies cracking jokes and laughing. Our noises drifting over the dirt, seeping down through layers of soft silt and quiet clay. 
We were so loud up on the surface, and below us thousands of secrets were waiting to be discovered. The head of our team was an established archaeologist with decades of experience who'd been leading the Australian team at the dig for many years. She was, as you'd expect, brilliant, passionate, and rigorous in her work. She also loved the German electronic band Kraftwerk <laughs> and would blast their music at full volume from a portable speaker she wore attached to her belt as she made her morning rounds through the site. She scream sang every lyric as she did this. The morning started about 5 a.m. so that was a, a real gentle way to wake up. She insisted we were all too slow and also not taking enough care. We were apparently not taking it seriously enough, but also needed to relax, just enjoy it. She wore wire-framed glasses with thick lenses, novelty band t-shirts tucked into high-waisted cargo shorts, white socks, and of course, sandals. I've truly never known anyone who loved their job more than this woman. She belonged there body and soul, and strangely, as the days and weeks passed, I began to feel the same way. I belonged in this place. Maybe I didn't belong in the archaeology world more broadly. I um, never did become Indiana Jones. I went on to change my major five more times, produce some theater, practice Japanese shiatsu massage, and now I'm pursuing a career as a midwife. <laughs> um, but in those days, in that moment, I did belong. I belonged with those people on that dirt, under the old weathered shade cloth, watching the sunrise over the tell. There had been many incredible finds at the site over the years, including the earliest known Philistine inscription, Bronze Age fortifications, and the season I was there, they even found a human skull. I, however, was placed in charge of a very important task. Over a number of weeks, I very carefully and with tremendous skill excavated between 30 and 50 small charred olive pips from an old fire pit. <laughs> now, I wouldn't dream of inflating my own importance, but I also don't want to play this down. <laughs> I had to be very, very careful. This was a 6,000-year-old hearth in the remains of a mud brick house which had lain undisturbed for millennia. And honestly, it was one of the best times of my life. <laughs> Every day, my alarm went off at 4.30 a.m. And we were up digging on the tell by five. We worked from five till seven when we stopped for a breakfast of black coffee, cottage cheese, and halva that came in these little plastic packets and I've never been able to find them. <laughs> then we continued working until about midday when it became too hot to stay up on the tell. In the afternoons, Back at the kibbutz, we would sit under shady trees on the grass, wash all the pottery shards and sing Disney songs together. It was heaven. <laughs> and the next morning, without fail, <laughs> I would be up on the dig site at my hearth with my tweezers, tending to my olive pips. <laughs> my back ached. I was sweating buckets, but I loved it. We were up high enough to catch the occasional cool breeze, and I would sit up from my work and pause, savoring the touch of cool air on hot skin before turning back to the minuscule task at hand. Let's get specific. I used a small metal hook to gently scrape away dried mud 
from around a single black pit. And then I would use a tiny rubber air pump to blow away the excess. It would reveal the size, shape, and orientation of the pip and how much more remained under the surface. If it was large, I would scrape away more dried mud until the prominence was exposed and I could maneuver the hook under the pip and pry it free. <laughs> Using tweezers, I would then carefully transfer each pip to a tin foil pouch, catalogue their orientation and location, and enter the data onto my topographical layout of the site, first in hard copy, then on a laptop. <laughs> it was fucking thrilling. <laughs> Hours. Days would pass like this. My focus oscillated between the smallness of the 20 centimetre patch of packed earth which housed my precious pips and the hugeness of this thing that I was a part of. The hugeness of these years which separated me from the family whose home I sat in day after day. I imagined them, these impossibly ancient people, sitting around this hearth, telling stories after dinner. Someone snacking on the briny, salty olives. Not quite full, not yet ready for the meal to be over. <laughs> Absent-mindedly tossing the pips into the coals. <laughs> this is a serious bit. <laughs> I wondered if it was a cool night, and I imagined the children bundled up in blankets, falling asleep to the sounds of their parents' voices echoing against the soft mud walls of their home. I wondered what the mother and father spoke of in the late hours. Whether they spoke of their children, tomorrow's work, the next flood, gossip from the village, whether the rains would be heavy that year. I sat at their hearth with black coffee and halva in my belly, wearing my blundstones and a dickies cap, picking out olive pips with 21st century tweezers, and yet I could almost smell the fire smoke. I could almost hear their voices. Maybe the noises they had made on those cool nights forever ago had somehow sunk into the mud, pressed into the walls like grooves into vinyl. They were here. We were there together. I could hear their echo, and I wonder if maybe 6,000 years ago they could hear mine. Mm -hmm.